Thank you for joining Crossway on the With God Pod. Whether you're in your car, in your home, on a walk, or with someone, we're excited that you've joined us for a deeper dive into Scripture, its tough sayings, and the people God used throughout. This year, we're going through the whole Bible, tracing the With God journey through the Bible, through the year, through us. And with that, let's dive into today's episode. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining today. I am Chris Birch. And I'm Anson Tebow. And today, put on your lawyer hat (laughs) because we are talking about the law. So in the beginning of the Bible, the Jews are given the law by God, and there's a lot of them. So Anson, what are we to do with that as Christians today in the 21st century. Yeah, man, it's it's a weird thing when you read the first five books of the Bible, specifically Leviticus, probably one of the hardest books of the Bible to get through reading it because it's literally just law after law after law after law. And there's 613 of them. And some of them are really weird. Like one of them that's always fascinated me, which both of us are breaking at the moment, is you cannot wear clothing of two different fabrics. Darn. Materials. There's things like uh, laws about birds and like what you're allowed to do with birds and what you're not allowed to do with birds. But we end up with 613 of them, but like none of us follow them anymore, or at least some of them anymore. So like, what what are we supposed to do with them? Are the Ten Commandments? Ten Commandments are a part of it. Oh, they yes, are in there. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Ten Commandments are a part of those 613. Um, so what we do with it is we reach the New Testament and then we have this like, sort of thing with Jesus coming and and saying, I've not come to abolish the law, but I've come to fulfill it. And what does that mean? We have that uh, in Romans 10, 4, it says Christ is the end of the law. There's Romans 6, 14 that says we're no longer under the law, but under grace. So what are we actually supposed to do with the law? And what we can see is we can see the laws broken down into three different categories. And some of them, some people just say two, but most people say three. And that is, we have the moral law, the ceremonial law, and the ju- judicial law. Those are all a part of the 613 that we mentioned. The moral law has the purpose of promoting the goodness and welfare of those who obey the law. This would be like, don't commit adultery. This would be like, don't murder, don't steal. Those types of things would be under moral law. The ceremonial law is the law that includes the statutes to regain right standing with God. This is the the sacrificial system. Like you sin, you need to go sacrifice a goat. You sin, you need to go sacrifice your your best sheep, whatever it is. Um, This would be a part of the ceremonial law to make yourself clean in order to be in in front of God. We see that with the holy of holies in the temple where um, they would have to sacrifice and only the priest would go in once a year to make sacrifice for the, for the people. Um, so that's a ceremonial law, this idea of making ourselves clean um, before God, regaining right standing before God. And then, and then the judici- judicial or civil law is the law that is like directed to the policy in which the Israelites live under with God as a supreme judge, meaning if you commit this sin, here's the just punishment for it. If you do this, here's the punishment, here's the punishment. And God is the judge of this. So with these three, that it sort of gives us this, this idea of, all right, we have, we have moral laws, which sort of make sense. We have ceremonial laws, which are sort of don't make sense. And civil laws, which are like really drastic. They're really powerful. They, they seem over the top. But I want to start with the moral law. And in Romans 13, 8 through 10, speaks to, to loving your neighbor using the moral law in order to do so. 
So to begin, there is nothing in the New Testament that would suggest that we are not under the moral law or that the moral law isn't in place. It actually, in the New Testament, suggests that that is something that the apostles followed, that they, they went after the moral law, they continued with the moral law. Tim Keller, a, a, a well-known pastor, author, writer, um, he started the Gospel Coalition, he planted a church in New York City. He, says, he speaks um, to how the moral law outlines the character of God, and that is something that we're supposed to emulate, emulate which you find all over Scripture. So if the moral law is supposed to express the character of God, it's something that we would continue to do is because we are called to hopefully express the character of God to others. And another thing that Tim Keller mentions is that if the New Testament reiterates a command or it's still in force for us. So meaning um, God and Jesus, he he comes and and tells us to, to love our neighbor, that the law is summed up in loving our neighbor. So that would be a reiteration of a command to love our neighbor, which would be the the initial goal of the moral law, right? Is to love love your neighbor, is to for the goodness and welfare of those who who obey the law. So we go out and we love our neighbor using the moral law, like the Ten Commandments. You should not commit adultery, you shouldn't murder, you shouldn't steal, like all of these those different things, like those are for the welfare of others. That is loving to your neighbor. So Tim Keller mentions that if the New Testament reiterates a command, then it's still in for in force for us today. But that also means um, that if the New Testament doesn't reiterate it, we have to think about it a little more. We have to contemplate it a little more. And that's where we get to the ceremonial law. And this one is one that we would believe is repealed, but only because of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only reason this is no longer in effect. The laws that were in place for getting in a right standing with God, whether that be sacrifices or, or things that needed to be made clean or strict ways of living, are no, no longer in place because Christ came and paid the sacrifice once for all. Like, we don't have to, after I sin, I don't have to go sacrifice a goat because Jesus paid the penalty. He paid the entire penalty. Like all of the pain, all of the suffering, all of everything that would be inflicted on these animals, would be inflicted on these sacrifices because of our own sin was put on Jesus. So he paid the entire thing. He changes everything about the law, that the, all those ceremonial laws, all those laws that would say, hey, you need to do this in order to get in right standing with God. Jesus is like, no, I did that for you. So we don't know, we no longer need to sacrifice. We no longer need to to do these things that would get us in a right standing with God. We rather need to repent and believe in Jesus because he has paid the entire way. But there's also that line where it says Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law. Meaning that Jesus didn't come and say, hey, that's useless. But what he's saying is all of those are laws that I came and I fulfilled. Like I I was the one who was the ultimate sacrifice. I was the one who was the sacrifice for you. He doesn't, you don't need to do these things anymore. That while we are unable to enter the holiness of the Lord without sacrifices and cleanliness in the Old Testament, we are now able to because of the payment of Jesus Christ, that he has fulfilled that part of the law. He has fulfilled everything. 
But this ceremonial law, he didn't come to abolish it, say it's useless, it's pointless, it didn't have any value. What he came to do is say, hey, I am that. Like, I have fulfilled it because I have paid the penalty. And a similar thing with the civil law, the third one, or judicial law, is that we, we don't really see this as something we're under because this civil law was given to, to a nation state. Israel as a nation state. Israel as a people group that God was governing. But now we're living in, in not in a nation state. We're actually living in a community of churches governed by the gospel of Jesus, that, that Jesus came and he sort of flipped the script. Like Gentiles started coming in. Gentiles started coming in to believe. Um, and and we'll, we'll talk about on Friday Rahab, who's actually the first Gentile convert we, we hear in, in Scripture. But the gospel started going out into the world, so it was no longer just the nation of Israel. It was actually the world that was here. So rather being, than being governed under a, a nation state, it's, sins aren't dealt with in this civil mindset, but in a church mindset, because the gospel and Jesus is not confined to one, to one nation. So this civil law, this, this law that would say, here's your punishment for this sin, or here's your punishment for this sin, well, that punishment was placed on Jesus, and now we govern through the churches, we govern through what God has designed for churches, which that's a conversation for another day of how we actually govern in churches, and maybe we'll get to that later in the year. Um, but this civil law is one that we would not say we're still under because we no longer live in a nation state, we, lo- we now live in a state where the gospel is everywhere and God has given us a new, um, a new way of, of managing things, a new way of governing these things. So what we see in scripture is we see that this moral law, this really, really good moral law um, is something that helps us to, to bring out the goodness in others, to love others. And we are commanded by Jesus to love others. Love others as ourselves, to love God and go out and love others. So this moral law is a way that helps us to do that. It also, I think, shows us how sinful we are, Mm. right? It's kind of like this, hey, here's the standard, and oh, wow, we're always falling short. So, okay, we do need a savior. So the moral law, well, yeah, it is a great way to like, for sure, you know, hey, how can we treat one another? Tell us what to to do because we probably Mm. don't understand uh, how to like treat one another without maybe this law. And then... It also does the thing of like, oh, why we are completely falling short of this. So somebody help somebody save us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then the ceremonial and and judicial law, they were sort of like the coming of Jesus and that payment on the cross is sort of what frees us. It doesn't abolish it, but what it does is he fulfilled fulfilled it. He was the ultimate sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, um, the lamb of God who came in to save, to save us and provide a way for us to live, to live with him. So the law is somewhat confusing and there's different people who might say, say some, some different things. But what I think a, a good practice is as you're reading the law, if you're in Leviticus or you're reading about it in the old Testament is, is to look at it and, and ask the question of, all right, you see a law. Is this a moral law? Is this a ceremonial law? Is this a judicial law? Is it reiterated in the new Testament? If it's reiterated in the new Testament, most likely you will see the apostles and Jesus following it. And that's the net last question. If you see Jesus practicing it, that's a pretty good sign that we should practice it. Like Jesus is the perfect son of God that we should, we should practice it. Um, but the, I think those are some good places to start is, is as you're reading to ask yourself questions, to look at it 
and, and, and do things like that to look at, is this something Jesus came and paid for, or is this a moral law that helps me love the goodness in another, in another person? Um, but we must know that, that Jesus came and, and he is, he is the fulfillment of the law. He is our savior and he's our King. So over everything we follow and obey him. Yeah, this is great. And it is kind of a little bit odd to be reading, you know, in the third book of the Bible, I think Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Yep. So third book of the Bible. And, uh, but I appreciate you kind of summing this up in uh, about 10 minutes and making it much more bearable. And, uh, than trying to kind of read ourselves and understand and things like that but definitely great and you can i mean you'll you'll be reading about the law throughout the rest of the old testament and into the new testament you Mm -hmm. see the pharisees are always questioning jesus like their whole job was to memorize the law right they tithe on the things in their cabinet that's crazy like the mint and dill in their cabinet the pharisees that would be wild could you imagine know. doing that today? Be, like to me, that looks like you like take your spices out and right. you like pour a tenth out of them, and then I don't know who you give it to. Yeah, but like I, I don't know. I mean, today in a culture where we're so obsessed with consumerism, like, that would be yeah. wild. I, All the stupid things my wife has in her spice <laughs> cabinet and whatnot. Like, oh my gosh, that's a full time <laughs> job right there. Just tithing my wife's spice cabinet. Are there that many? Yeah, I mean, she's a fantastic cook. So, All right, yeah. so, you, so you're grateful for it. I am very grateful, yeah. That actually probably would be very difficult for me is watching <laughs> watching all those watch, spices yeah, go Yeah, exactly. Out. Like, yeah. oh, no, what are we doing? <laughs> My bland chicken. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, Anson, again, thank you so much for doing all this. Uh, really interesting, I think, um, studying about kind of the moral, ceremonial, and judicial law. So hopefully we don't have to go to law school now. I hope not, man. But uh, I uh, am much more knowledgeable now on Jewish law. So see you, Anson. See you, Chris. Thank you for joining Crossway on the With God Pod. Make sure to catch all our content on Sundays and during the week. See you next time.